1: Plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're tuned in to Oilers Nation every day with Tyler Yuremchuk. Live every weekday on the Nation Network, YouTube.
0: Welcome in, Oilers Nation. Every day the Oilers found a way to survive November with a 500 record. Wait, November's over. That means I can finally shave off the mustache. Let's get into the win with the lead. There we go. There we go. That's much better, hey? Don't have to put you all through that anymore. Welcome into Oilers Nation every day, as always, coming to you live from the Sports Closet Studio, three locations in the Edmonton area, Short Park, St. Albert Malls, and, of course, Kingsway Mall. We are in the lead. It's brought to you by Soho Yeg on Jasper. Soho Yeg, find them on Twitter, Instagram, soho.com as well. They're a great spot to watch the game with specials and the Oilers game on a 100-inch screen every game day. Make it your spot tonight. Yes, RIP to the mustache. Ah... The Oilers, though they they walked out of 500 and out of uh, November in good shape with a 500 record. And last night, maybe last night, really summed up the month of November well, right? Like the beginning was, eh, and then it got good for a second, and then it almost completely fell apart. That was a fascinating game, but a, a one goal game against the Hawks is not something that we should be sitting here. Yeah, like, eh, but at the same time, you watch that game; they played so good. The Blackhawks are so lucky that that game was in 6-7-1 at different points. I thought that was at 5-on-5, five five, some of the best we've seen the Oilers look. They had two lines that were just humming. The mcdavid Drysdale hyman line basically looks like a power play. The second line was looking really solid. We're going to get into a bunch of different stuff with this. But Liam, I want to bring you in right off, right off the jump. What was for you the most impressive part of that victory last night?
2: um boy oh boy I, I guess pretty much the entire game besides that just a little, little bit of a collapse like they dominated the game they controlled it all that top line obviously went out and just did what they did like wasn't didn't nurse almost play 30 minutes or something like that i think all yeah. of them played to pretty close to 30 minutes so the line that line did what they were supposed to do and yeah like you said like we had like six or seven posts that game should have been well out of reach. Before he even got to any point, but again, this team kind of shuts off, and this isn't the first time we've seen it this season, where just a couple of seconds, and next thing you know, it's a very close game. We saw it against New Jersey, now we're seeing it against Chicago last night. Like they've got to, got to learn to just hold on to leads and stop throwing away what was a close should have been a closed out game very easily.
0: Deskra says six posts last night. And yeah, that was a big part of why that game eventually did get close and the Oilers didn't cover the puck line. Um, you mentioned the minutes nurse 2909 McDavid, 2706 dry 2613 CC was above 25 minutes as well. Hyman had 2434 and then it's basically a four minute gap to the next player in terms of time on ice for the Oilers. Mm-hmm. So Jay Woodcroft played the hell out of that one five man unit last night. And, I talked about this on the show Saturday when, when the Oilers reunited McDavid and Drysidal on the top line. It was that's not sustainable. Like you can't, I don't think you can go on a deep playoff run. I don't think you can find a way to scrape your, or scrape your way back into the conversation of potential top spot or home ice advantage in the division by playing McDavid and Drysidal together for the final 60 some games of this season or 50 some games of this season. I think you need to have them split up because it just hurts the depth of your team way too much. Last night. You were playing a team in Chicago that also loaded up their big guns. Taves and, Kane on the fir- Taves and Kane on the first line. And aren't that good after that up front? So last night, I think it's fine, right? And you did get good contributions from that second line with Nuge, Pouliarvi, and Yanmark chipping in for a couple of goals. That's fine. I think in a vacuum, it's an okay strategy and it can work. I think over the course of 20 games, you'll still win more with McDavid and Dreisaitl separate part of it's injuries as well. Cause you don't necessarily have the supporting cast to pull that off. And you, you still want to have them playing with some amount of skill. So it, it's a delicate balance yeah. right now, just cause they're so banged up. Um, I want to get to a new thing you're uh, on the show. Oh, go ahead.
2: I was going to say, I think one thing too, with like Nugent Hopkins was in the box for eight minutes last night. <laughs> like That's going to cut into his playing time a little bit. Right. And that probably leads into everyone else playing. But like you said, like that second line contributed when they're on the ice, like, Yavi now is quietly like kind of finding his game a little bit and nice assist on a Nuge goal, nice finish. So maybe that's a bit of momentum for those guys too.
0: I like that you brought up Nuge was in the box for a lot of that hockey game. Eight, <laughs> yeah. The guy took three penalties, including a double minor. Um, but what I liked from Jay Woodcroft is that he actually wasn't leaning on McDavid and Drysettle to kill those penalties. Like, despite the fact mm-hmm. they were shorthanded a good amount, Drysettle only killed 22 seconds and McDavid was. Just over, yeah, just over a minute and a half. It was Yanmark at almost five minutes, Derek Ryan just over four, and Brad Malone at 207. Those are the forwards that killed a good amount of the penalties. So I like that he used that as an opportunity to take the workload off McDavid and Drysidel a little bit as well. Um, Something new we're doing here. It's brought to you by Cornerstone Insurance. They are Edmonton's premier boutique insurance brokerage, your destination for commercial home and auto insurance with over 90 years of success and still growing. They insured the nation truck, so I know they are right for you. Three big things for me from last night's hockey game brought to you by Cornerstone Insurance. Number one, I don't think it's the spot for long-term success, but 29-97-18 make it look like a power play. Every single time they're on the ice, they dominated the Blackhawks. They could be one of the best lines in hockey. And if the Oilers had a better supporting cast, you could probably run with it more. I don't think you can. I don't think it's the recipe for long-term success, but damn it, is that trio ever fun to watch. Number two, Yessapul might be figuring it out. I feel like it's now been three games in a row where we sit here and say, he's coming off his best game of the year. He's starting to look more and more effective. And you look at last game, that is the blueprint for what he needs to do going forward. Keep it simple. He got the puck behind the net, head up, Easy pass to Nugent Hopkins. Make those plays. Also, play with some physicality. He was mixing it up a little bit after the whistles, and then he steamrolled Caleb Jones, and that led directly to the two-on-one that Matthias Janmark eventually cashed in. So I I really like what is doing. I felt like he was a driver on that second line. And number three, even in the games where he's not outstanding, Stuart Skinner helps you win. And I think maybe we're starting to have this conversation of, By the end of the year, could he be a legit number one in the NHL? Or is that Oilers, rose-colored glasses, hyperbole? But last night, he wasn't at his best. His save percentage wasn't 900. He gave up one that he maybe wants back. But three of those goals were not his fault. And what does he do in the dying seconds when you really need a stop? He makes the stop for you. In tight, Chicago has a great chance on the doorstep, and he slams the door shut. I loved it. I love the performance from Stuart Skinner. Like, you look at his numbers, he's allowed 12 goals, 15 goals in his last four games, but he's 3-1 and and he's made some massive saves. I really like what they've been getting from Stuart Skinner. I think the conversation eventually goes to you know, is he going to be the guy who maybe plays 45 games for you or 50 games for you this season? And Camel's down in that 30-game mark. Let me know. I want to hear three big things from you in last night's game. Drop them in the YouTube chat. As always, we're live on Twitter, live on Facebook. But I got the chat fired up on the Nation Network YouTube. So drop something in there. Or maybe you have a question for our next guest, Frank Saravali. There is a lot for us to get to with Mr. Saravali, And I know he will be thrilled to join the show and see that I am cleanly shaven. So let's bring in Frank. Did you even notice that I shaved?
3: Yes, I did. You no longer have a disgusting caterpillar on your face. So uh, I did indeed notice.
0: All right. Let's jump right into things. Last week, we had you on the show and we talked about Ryan Reeves. He was eventually dealt to the Minnesota Wild. There were a lot of fans who see that name. A lot of Oilers fans who see that name and go, that's what we need. Toughness like Ryan Reeves. How involved in those trade talks were the Oilers?
3: I think um, a bit. I think that they really went down the path internally of considering someone like Ryan Reeves once he hit the market. Um, I thought the price that he went to for Minnesota ended up being pretty reasonable and that it was a fifth round pick all the way out in 2025, which feels like another universe when you say it. Um But I think ultimately they weren't sure about the cap hit and weren't sure about what things would look like when Evander Kane is ready to come back. And also, Ken Reeves and Kane coexist and bury the hatchet? That was maybe another part of it that they passed. But I wanted to add one other interesting name that I think received some consideration uh, internally for the Oilers over the last couple weeks was Wayne Simmons as he hit the waiver wire. Hmm previously with the Toronto Maple Leafs. So I think they thought about it then. They thought about Reeves, and I think they're continuing to look at ways in which they can improve themselves and their bottom six and give them a little bit more bite.
0: Is actively shopping too aggressive of a term to describe Ken Holland's mindset right now?
3: Probably not. I mean, look, this team is in a spot that they know they need to improve. I think anything that comes up That makes sense, they're probably deliberating, is the way I'd explain it. Like they'd have to consider any option that comes down the pike.
0: If they had cap space, maybe they would have, you know, maybe a Reeves deal does happen. But that's the biggest issue, right? Is even with Kane on LTIR, you can't just go spend the money for the sake of spending it and then put yourself in a bad spot, kind of like Florida is with Anthony DuClair two or three months from now. So I keep coming back to if they're going to make a splash. Of any level, anyone making over a million bucks, there's got to be salary going out the other way. There's Fogle, 2.75 million. There's Kyler Yamamoto, who's banged up right now, 3.1 million. I don't get the sense they want to move him. And then there's Yessa Poolyarvi at 3 mil. He's the only one of those three whose contract expires at the end of the year. And i I was debating this the other day. I'm not sure if they would qualify him at 3.3. I'm not sure if any team would qualify him at 3.3. So if you're the Oilers... Is there not a little bit of like a, you need to decide on Pugliarvi by the trade deadline this year?
3: I think they probably, I don't know this for absolute 100% certainty, but I think they probably hemmed and hawed at, it, you know, basically giving the deal Pugliarvi that they did now. So to take it a step further and say, we're going to qualify him at this number, I think is probably rather unlikely. And so is there a decision to be made? Yes. I, I don't I think it's a giant secret that the Oilers really tried and explored a number of different options to move him. Never really found one that quite fit, but you could always make that part of, depending on which team you're dealing with, part of your next puzzle as you sort through this, which is have someone take on one of those contracts. Maybe it costs you a little bit more, but that's the spot that they're in at the moment, given the three players. I think. The names that they'd probably consider you hit them all in the head and in some ways they're really quite obvious for anyone that might be dealing with the oilers over the next few months
0: the cap gymnastics are going to be fascinating around the league because it's not just the oilers that are that are in trouble with this pretty much every contender is going to need serious salary retention i have a feeling that this year more than others we could see that third team really involved especially when you consider how many How many teams in the NHL are completely out of the race already and look like they're just tanking for Bedard? Could this be the year of the third-party brokerage?
3: I think so. I think you could even see teams that are way up against the cap that try and do it just to recoup even minor assets if they could. And I think the best example I can give you is the Florida Panthers last year retaining money on Max Domi. And they uh, they were one of the teams that it was brokered they almost helped another team that was they could have potentially faced in the playoffs, which would have been really interesting in the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, and so the reason for that is take a look at the Panthers and other teams that have lost assets in other trades over recent years, and you're saying, well, we have like next-to-no draft picks. We need to get someone. That's a way that they could put another bullet in their arsenal is to say, hey, even if it's a fifth-round pick or a sixth-round pick to retain, 200 grand or whatever team has space whether it's through LTIR means or whatever it is the way it works for salary cap space is use it or lose it and if you're not using it you lose it at the end of the year so that's a big i think consideration and some of the teams that are going to be in the mix are quite obvious Arizona Buffalo Anaheim Chicago those teams are all open for business and i think if you're a team like Detroit is where it really gets interesting because you're someone that really is in playoff mode and wants to be a contender that they might be able to take on a player at their full cap hit, which could lessen their acquisition cost. And then it becomes even more interesting for Steve Eiserman and his group.
0: The uh, chat right now is all buzzing because last night they watched the Oilers play the Hawks. They saw Max Domi score a big goal late and a lot of fans here seem to be wondering what Domi... Max Domi maybe be a great fit for this Oilers team. Is that maybe the range Ken Holland could be looking when we talk about bottom six players?
3: I think based on what Domi makes and based off of whatever that acquisition cost might be, we talked about this idea last week is that the Oilers may only get one shot to make a move this year. And it depends on what, how big they want to swing and, and when they want to take the swing. But they may have to preserve assets and cap space for just going after one sort of marquee big name addition, whether it's a Jonathan Taves or a Bo Horvat, or pick one guy that you want to select from this mm-hmm. year's crop. And if they could then make another side move after that, depending on what they have left over, that's always a possibility. But given, you know, the powder that they need to keep dry for that, I would say. Getting someone like Domi is probably too expensive of an ask at the moment, considering what they might have their eyes on later on.
0: I feel like early in in November, Oilers fans, you know, look at the Pacific Division standings and kind of go like, "Okay, Vegas is red hot. Maybe they cool off. L.A.'s maybe right where they should be, but the Seattle Kraken—they're just going to fall off. It's just a matter of time until they lose nine of ten and they're back to the middle of the pack. But they've won six in a row." They are 14-5-3 on the season. At what point do we just have to look at the Kraken and go, nope, they're they're legit, they're going to be a playoff team this year?
3: I think we're getting closer to that point. I mean, we're into December now, and they went 10-1-1 through the month of November, and part of that is you know, the mojo they have. You mentioned the six-game winning streak, and I think that matters, but the interesting thing about the way the Kraken have done it is that Yeah, their goaltending has been better. It still hasn't been great. Their team save percentage this year is 888. And perhaps when you have games like 9-8, well, maybe that lends itself to your save percentage being a little bit depressed. But they're doing it also without real stars. Matty Beneers is going to be a star, but he's not there yet. And the rest of their team is a collection of good players, but not stars. And I think that includes their back end as well. So I think the way they've scrapped and hung in there that I think you have to consider them at least being in the mix. Because even just the way the math works, they've accumulated enough points that it becomes really a math problem in terms of how much would they, how much damage would they need to do to entirely fall out of the race. And my guess is even going, I'd have to sit down and do it, but 500 playing 525 points percentage along the rest of the way, which is probably entirely doable, They're going to be squarely in that playoff conversation, I would imagine. And I think it heightens the awareness of a team like the Oilers and the Flames um, and to a lesser extent, maybe the Los Angeles Kings, who uh, the Kraken have beaten three times already this year, to get their game in gear knowing that you got to make hay when you can. And especially now for the Oilers, I know they have Minnesota three times here, I think, over the next few weeks. But they've got Chicago, uh, they've got Arizona, the schedule has finally lightened up a little bit for the Oilers and they need to really make some progress
0: easy math, the Kraken have 60 games remaining. If they were to get 60 points and play 500, they're going to be at 91 points, which would put them in the conversation there. So you're right, a 525 points percentage, which is doable. And and they're going to be in the big dance at the end of the season. Uh, Last spot I want to hit on with you going outside of Edmonton a little bit. People are hearing the name Alex Formanton today. I explain why and and why three o'clock Mountain Time today is such an important deadline.
3: Yeah, we're just uh, over two and a half hours away from that deadline. It's the NHL's RFA signing deadline, December 1st, every year at 5 o'clock Eastern. And uh, any player who's a restricted free agent that's not signed by then is not eligible to play the rest of the season. Now, there's been very little, Tyler, by way of negotiation between the Sens and the Formanton camp to this point, to our knowledge. And a lot of teams around the league, as they've gotten to this point, are asking themselves, well, Why does a team that has cap space and could certainly use another 18 or 20 goals this season and the depth at forward, a young guy that's come through their system as a second-round pick, Why are they not signing him or not even engaging? And the reaction from these other teams and speculation has been, well, he's a member of the 2018 World Junior Team. Was he party to the sexual assault that's been alleged that's under investigation by the NHL and also the London, Ontario Police Service? Now, obviously, there'd be risk in any sort of transaction like this, given what we saw, even just from a public sphere with Mitchell Miller and the Boston Bruins and what they decided to do in signing him. Does a team out there decide that it's worth the risk between now and 5 p.m. to pull the trigger? I'm told, Tyler, that the Ottawa Senators are looking for a second round pick in return for Alex Formanton I don't know if teams out there are getting creative and potentially looking at, hey, do we de-risk this a bit for ourselves and, and base any sort of conditional pick on games played or something like that to potentially mitigate for the idea of a suspension that could or could not be coming. Um, I guess I don't know the answer as to what's right and what's wrong here. I'm not privy to the facts. I don't know if he was involved. But I can say that what's interesting and has maybe given teams um, some courage to do this is that if you look at the alleged eight people who were in the room from that team at the time that this sexual assault allegedly occurred well all the rest of them are still playing this season penalty free as the wheels of justice continue to move along so i don't think anyone wants to prejudge it but they also don't want to get themselves into hot water with what may come next so two and a half hours to go we've got our eye on that and a lot more
0: all right well i will let you get back to that insider life frank thanks for hopping on today
3: Thanks, Tyler. Glad to see the mustache gone.
0: Oh, boy. All right. Let's get into the wrap for today's show. Actually, I shouldn't even say we're getting into the wrap. It's a short for giant game day. That's what it is today on the show. It was also a short for giant game day for uh, Canada men's soccer as they wrapped up their run at the World Cup. Don't listen to Chris Chalmers. This was exciting, and that was a lot of fun to watch Canada at the World Cup. Uh, Sherwood Ford Giant Game Day. Liam and I were out yesterday uh, out in Sherwood Park loading up the nation truck with the fine folks at Sherwood Ford with a bunch of food for the food bank out in Strathcona County. So that was a, a great time. Sherwood Ford, awesome with stuff like that as well. Shout out to the students of Lakeland Ridge Elementary School as well. They were all fantastic. Uh, Oilers taking on the Wild tonight, looking to make it four in a row. It's been three absolute thrillers. I would go ahead and wager that it's probably going to be another tight hockey game tonight if the Oilers are going to keep this winning streak going. The Minnesota Wild are 5-4-1 and one in their last 10 games. Similar to the Oilers, they have really struggled at 5-on-5 five five so far this season. And maybe that's a reason to be optimistic heading into this matchup. One, the Oilers typically solid on the second of back-to-backs. We saw them play really well against the Tampa Bay Lightning earlier in November. I could see them coming out tonight with an equally solid effort. Minnesota is 25th in five on five goals, four percentage, 19th in five on five shots, four percentage. Like I said, the Oilers have struggled in that regard as well. But in their last four games, the Oilers have outshot their opposition at five on five in every single one of those games. And the goals are nine eight at five on five. That works. If you count the Evan Bouchard marker, I suppose then you'd have to count a Chicago goal as well, but it, at uh, even strength, not 5-on-5, five five, it's 10-9. to nine. The Wild have been outshot at 5-on-5 five five in three of their four games. The goals are 8-8. So the Oilers are, are maybe starting to move in the right direction here. Uh, they're maybe starting to move in the right direction. In regards to their five-on-five play, and that is wildly encouraging. A part of that is just the tops. The top line has been so good that it's really pushed them. And Minnesota hasn't really had that from their big guns between the pipes. Mark Andre Fleury has been wildly inconsistent so far this year, although maybe he's starting to move in the right direction. Kirill kaprazov is still scoring, but outside of that, it just doesn't seem like they're getting a ton. Sam Steele is centering their top line right now. Like You talk about the Oilers being a, a one-line team. The Wild, at least offensively, have felt at points like a one-player team with Kirill Kaprazov. Here's a look at their lineup tonight. Sam Steele centering Kaprazov and Matt Zuccarello. Frederick Goudreau with Nick Patan and Matt Boldy. Joel Eriksson-Eck with Jordan Greenway and Marcus Felino. That feels more like their second line with Joel Eriksson-Eck and Marcus Felino there. Connor Dewar with Ryan Reeves, who's expected to play tonight. And Mason Shaw on the right side. So, again, this is a forward group that's not overly threatening. The Wild haven't been great at five on five scoring goals so far this season. Uh, the D pairings for many Middleton with Spurgeon, Goligoski with Dumba, and uh, John Merrill with Kalen Addison. They're missing a couple of key pieces. Ryan Hartman is usually their top line center, he's on the IR. Jonas Brodeen is day-to-day. So again, they could be missing a top four D-man and their top line center for this game tonight. So I know the Oilers are banged up. So is Minnesota. I mentioned Marc-Andre Fleury. He's expected to get the start in this hockey game. Uh, in his last five games, he's only allowed 10 goals against. That's pretty good. But he's also failed to have a 900 save percentage in two of those five games. So it's been a little rocky for him. And I think if the Oilers put a lot of rubber on net, They'll have a chance to solve Marc-Andre Fleury tonight. I really wouldn't have a ton of concerns, knock on wood, about them getting goalied in this one, but we'll see. Um, Short for Giant Game Day, that's your lineup for Minnesota. For Edmonton, uh, I saw a few of you earlier in the chat, and I know I'm behind in the chat, uh, but a few of you were asking about Clean Coston. They showed last night on the broadcast that he actually made it to the rink like 15 minutes before puck drop. So Clean coston should be playing tonight. As for who comes out, I would imagine it's one of Tyler Benson or Devin Shore. I would take out Devin Shore. He hasn't been doing a lot for me. I would move Derek Ryan to the middle and I would play clean cost and on the wing. Um, I kind of didn't mind that Malone Holloway Hamblin line, but if you're Woodcroft, I want to see you play him more. So you got to run with that. Like give him. you played the, the big guns so much last night that that would be my big concern heading into this evening's game is like, Hey, okay, does the top line have the juice? Can the second line repeat their performance after playing just as much as they did? I don't know. I think that's a little dicey. So you're going to need some contributions on the bottom six. Clean Costin, clean Shady. He gives you a bit of a jolt if he does indeed draw in. That'll help. I liked Holloway. I liked Hamlin. Hamlin killed over a minute of penalties last night as well. So Woodcroft is showing he's starting to trust him. You need more from the bottom six, though. Maybe I'll have more on that when we get to our giant keys to victory. Uh, before I bring back Liam for that, I want to get to the chat a little bit and uh, see what you've all been saying. A lot of talk here at the end about Alex Formington. Uh I wouldn't. I don't think you need it. It's a, it's an intriguing buy low spot, and you guys are. Someone said, and I and I lost it here. Formanton feels like it like an Oilers trade. It's Bison Mass guy. In Oilers trade in the making. Oilers like reconstruction players. Frank tied him to Vegas and Carolina. His numbers are good. You know, so far in his career, if you pace that out over 82 games, he's been a 12 to 15 goal guy. I don't know if this is, I don't know if he's worth a second round pick. Former second round pick himself. Maybe he's an acquisition that you come in and because of all the issues around him, he just wants to play hockey and you get him for a million bucks this year. And Bison Mask guy says, McTavish, Cassian, Kane, Vertanen, Formington. They may like him. I don't think they'll go there. The Vertanen thing, I think the organization recognizes it was stupid and a waste of time. Cassian was different than Formington. Absolutely. That was more of a substance abuse kind of thing, right? Or Formington, I don't know. You don't need this negativity. You don't need the risk. What happens if the NHL comes out? And they still very well might do this and say, yeah, we concluded our investigation. We worked with Ottawa police. We're suspending these guys for the rest of the season. Then what? You wasted a pick? And maybe it's not the rest of the season. What if the NHL says, yeah, you're getting 25 games for off-ice misconduct, and they lay down the hammer here, which they might do. The NHL is probably motivated to hit these guys pretty hard and show that they're taking this kind of stuff seriously. What happens if they hit them with a big suspension? Why Why would you want to touch that? And Flute, I see what you're saying, even though YouTube's hiding it. He's, yeah, he's one of the Team Canada kids. Like, Just don't touch them. Just don't bring this stuff into your organization. I get that the Oilers have a past of doing this stuff, and in some instances it worked, but it this is not a situation. Flute says disgusting. Absolutely not. Yeah, Tyler says formanton could still get a criminal charge. I can't speak on that. I'm not well-versed enough on, on the back end of this Hockey Canada thing, but all of this this chat screenshot it send it to ken holland avoid it don't touch it and if otto was asking a second round pick that's a lot that's a significant asset you were all talking about domi in the chat domi probably doesn't even cost you a second round pick so do you want formanton and all the baggage or would you just save the pick and go get domi bison masking i would conditional that second round pick okay great but it still ties up the pick remember the conversations we were having about the keith pick at last year's deadline It's like oh man you can't move these two picks because they're tied up in that Duncan Keith deal. Don't tie up your picks either. Just Don't touch this. I'm telling you guys, it's not worth it. He's not like the Evander Kane thing was, was a little bit different. This Foreman thing, just stay away from it. Don't touch it. I want to bring Liam back in for a little Sherwood Ford giant keys to victory. Liam, I'm going to go ahead and say, and I've said this a few times, bottom six, baby, bottom six, bottom six, bottom six. Give us that big depth goal. It worked against the New York Rangers. Big reason you won that hockey game last night. It was the second line who gave you some big goals. But go out and get some goals, get some energy, get some big plays, get some zone time from that bottom six. They are my sure for giant key to the game. What do you got?
2: Yeah, I think I would agree. I think the Oilers are probably gonna have to lean on the top guys again tonight. So yeah. maybe that's kind of the key to the game, I suppose. Like your best players need to show up again, and if we can make it four wins in a row, it's you kind of forget about what happened in the four the other games before that, right? Like you starting to get a bit of momentum going. I guess that's my key: is just keep the good times rolling and let's get another two points.
0: And McDavid needs to be the best number ninety-seven on the ice, correct?
2: Yes, and he will be, even if he's blindfolded.
0: <laughs> last night was, again, he had nine shots on goal in last night's game. And it feels like whenever he goes to Chicago, he, he does something highlight real. That goal last night was sick. He had the one earlier this year, nasty. And then he even had the one, remember the blind backhand pass to Maroon that he had in Chicago, like five, six years ago? Right. He loves playing it at the Madhouse on Madison.
2: Yeah, this I guess there's some places some players like to go. Like Drysaddle is the mayor of Smashville, and maybe uh, yeah, maybe McDavid is the president of Chicago. Well, there's a lot of options here, and if that's what they, if that's what they want to do, at least it's against Western Conference opponents, and not teams that are going to play once or twice a year, right?
0: Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Rusty McDavid is the best 97 in any sport ever. Yeah, I I don't I don't have any names in my mind that I could use to. Mm-hmm. Uh, isn't Joey Bosa number ninety-seven for the Chargers?
2: Yeah, he he's is. not
0: McDavid level, so who cares? Uh, Tyler, don't touch it. Look at a defenseman. If you really want, sure, Domi. I would blow the load on Horvat, though. Uh, I I am a fan. Steve Eiserman had a really interesting take on the TNT broadcast last night about team defense and, and how that comes comes about. Right. Um getting a third line center could be just as effective um getting a third line center could be just as effective for this as uh as getting a d-man right if you have someone who consistently wins draws who is hard nose below the goal line they can help you break up cycles too i think a centerman helps out your defensive play maybe more than people are recognizing just being better like even getting a bottom six winger who's a pest who's hard to play against who gets things moving in the right direction that helps you in your own end because you're not spending as much time in the d zone Uh, plays aren't dying as much in the offensive zone and going back the other way like i i I understand that everyone wants a d man because this team needs to be better in their own end but what i'm saying is building a better forward group also could make you better in your own end, right? Like, it's not like you're just getting a forward and being like, oh, we're going to outscore our problems. You can get a forward that helps your D zone play, helps your five-on-five metrics and all of that. Smart Cowboy says Taves is a better fit than Horvath. I agree with that, 100%. I think hard nose, strong defensively, Go get, go get Jonathan Taves. Go get that guy he helps you in your own end, get a defenseman somewhere that's making 1.2 million bucks that you can slide into the lineup on your third pairing, help on the shutdown side of things, give you that extra layer of depth. Tyler says we can't afford Taves. Why not? I, I don't see a way, like, you, you're going to have to get a third team involved, but Chicago's the other team with rumored interest. They have to get a third team involved. Everyone's going to have to get third teams involved. We talked to Frank. This is going to be the year of the third party broker. You get Taves retained down to five and you move out, pull in the deal. Boom. There you go.
1: Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast. And this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues
0: Keep this thing rolling here. Uh, big game tonight against the Minnesota Wild as the Oilers look for four in a row. Smart Cowboy dressing room guy as well. Yeah, I'm with you, dude. Uh, Taves is my guy. I've moved off the Chickering thing. Carson Susie's probably not going to happen now because Seattle's looking like a freaking playoff team somehow. So Jonathan Taves. And is it going to cost you a lot? Yeah, it's going to cost you a lot. You're going to have to give up one of Fogo, Pugliarvi, or Yamamoto to make the money work. And it might cost you a first round pick. What are you doing this year if you're not spending that? Your window is not infinite. It's going to last a few seasons. But these next few seasons are years where you need to be going out and spending those big assets. And get impact pieces that can push you over the top. Because I think they're close. Hornbots are back. Damn it. We'll solve that. Tyler, you think Ken Holland is smart enough to do that and helping team defense by moving one of our best two way wingers? I don't. I get that people love you as a As I adjust the way I'm sitting because my back hurts, I get it. But I'm saying the reality of this situation with the Oilers is they need to sit and have the tough conversation with themselves of do we like this guy enough to qualify him at three point three and bring him to arbitration? Last summer, what was the issue with Pooley-Arvey not being able to move him at the draft? No one wanted to touch his ARB number. Teams wouldn't trade for him. They're scared of the arbitration case. Oilers, bring him back. Let's do it again. I'm not saying he's a bad hockey player. I think he has more trade value than Warren Fogle. That's going to help you get a bigger piece. He's not one of their best defensive wingers. I don't buy that for a second. I love the guy. He's played some great hockey over the last three games. He's starting to piece it together, and if he gets on a roll, he could score six goals in the next 10 games, and we'd love it. And Liam said in the chat, I would miss Jesse. Yeah, I would too. He's great. But Jonathan Taves could help you win a Stanley Cup this year, right, Liam? Like I, I get it. is isn't. he is an awesome story. He is an awesome character, but if that's the price to go make an impact move and make the money work, then son of a bitch, you got to do it.
2: You got to do what you got to do. And the Oilers got to go and try and win a cup with McDavid and dryside and the contracts they have right now. And a guy like Jonathan Taves helps out a lot. And like you said, like the locker room, the experience he has of winning three Stanley Cups, the Olympic gold medals, like these kind of guys just aren't growing on trees. You know, like he is in a, like one of the best players to ever play in the NHL. And imagine him on the Oilers. And I, I hear the shouts for like a defensive and all that stuff too. But I think ultimately, like, Team defense also helps that go a long way as well. So, we're only missing yeah. one player from the defensive core that got us from the Western Conference finals last year. And part of that team was also a Donnell nurse who so was basically playing on one leg for the entire playoff run. Yeah. So, their best D-man things- last year in the
0: playoffs was a guy playing on one leg. You're right
2: exactly and it's just like i get it like these first 20 what are we got now 23 games of the season haven't been fantastic by any means for the Oilers. we probably haven't even seen them at their best yet so i think right now taves would be the option for me but i like i hear what frank's saying too or like i like i like a guy like max domey i think he'd be a really good contributor but I would go after those big guys first, like a Taves or maybe even a Patrick Kane, for example. I don't know who else is available defensively, but like maybe a guy like Domi is someone you go after after you've already tried to get all those guys. But I don't think Ken Holland's going to sit on his hands. I think he's he's a patient general manager, which he's proven in all his time he's been to the Oilers. But also he's proven he's willing to go out and, and get some guys too, like Anthony Seo and Mike Green that one year. Obviously, they didn't work out, but COVID had a big part of that. Last year, we got Kulak and Derek Brassard. I feel like there was someone else who I may be missing. But at the end of the day, like he's actively trying to make this team better. He's always actively trying to make this team better. And if he sees the shot, I think he's going to take it.
0: Someone said Taves is super injury prone. So I guess it is Tyler. says he's super injury prone. So blow blow it all on a guy that might not finish the season. He missed the one year where he sat out the entire shortened season because he had a health condition. Here's his games played in the, how, how many years back you want to go, Liam? Let's go all the way back to 2012, 2013. He played 47 games in the lockout shorten year. Then it's 76, 81, 80, 72, 74, 82, 70, 71. A guy who misses 10 to 11 games every second mm-hmm. season is not a guy who's injury prone. So we can cool it with that. That's just not true at all. He had a health condition. He put it behind him. He's played 22 games already this season. The injury concern would not be a thing for uh, for me.
2: McDavid's only played probably missed two more seasons. games than Taves, right? Just thinking Pardon? of McDavid's injury. I bet McDavid's yeah. probably missed more games than Taves. Like with the injuries he's had, like I don't think it's fair to call Taves injury prone, but like Tyler put oh. in the chat, he's only played two full seasons. It's like, yeah, but that doesn't mean he's injury prone. If you're missing but two or three games here and there, it's just being in the NHL.
0: Yeah. He's only played two full seasons, 82 games, 80, 81, okay. 80, 82. And then the year where he played all 47 in the lockout shortened year. Okay. That's six full seasons out of his 12 mm. and the other ones with 70, again, one, two, three, four, five, six 70 plus game seasons. So
2: he also has again, three he, huge playoff runs too.
0: That is a tremendous point as well. Let's count up the playoff games this guy's played. He's added 137 playoff games in his career. So he's played a ton of hockey. So even if he did have injuries, I wouldn't be like worried about it because that guy's played more hockey Mm -hmm. than almost anyone. Um, He'd be a great fit. He'd cost a lot for you. But again, I think that's the kind of move Ken Holland will ultimately look at here. Uh, Circling back to the game tonight against the Minnesota Wild, Liam, Jack Campbell going to get the start. Uh, Your expectations. For me, Mm. it is Jack Campbell, 900 plus save percentage. I'm happy. I'm not setting the bar super high with this guy. Just be 900 or better, and that's how we're going to get this thing back on track.
2: To be honest, I'm not even looking at the numbers with Campbell anymore. I'm just wanting to go out there and play well. I think the numbers are just gone for this guy at the moment. So if he can go out there and put like a good performance together, then I'm more than happy with that. Like the other night, who did the others play at Rogers, Florida? Like Stuart Skinner allowed three goals or whatever it was on that night and two of them weren't his fault, right? And I would say he had a good game and I don't think his save percentage was 900 that night. So I just want Jack Campbell to kind of maybe get a bit of belief back in himself. And we mentioned it yesterday. It sounds like... The boys in the locker room are kind of trying to rally him up a little bit. And like behind him, they were talking about that big win he got in New York. So I believe in Jack Campbell. I think we're kind of seeing a turn in his season right now. And hopefully he can just come out and just have another solid game for us. Because that's all we need. We don't need him to steal the show. We have McDavid and Dreisidel to do that. We just need him to, yeah. to allow those guys to go and do it.
0: hundred percent. Rusty says the only number that matters is the W. I mean, team-wise, yeah, absolutely. But I also think there's something, something to be said about just getting Jack Campbell back to a solid level here, right? Where you're not going into the mm-hmm. game being like, is he going to get lit up tonight? What's going to happen? Because even against the Rangers, he only gave up three goals. Two, He gave up two that got called back. I know one was goal interference, but it was kind of soft. And the offside one, like you still give up the goal. So it wasn't a great game against the New York Rangers. Um, I, I want to see Campbell really find a groove here that that's one of the more important storylines as we work our way to December the Oilers have to start starting games on time they need Jack Campbell to get to a solid level and they got to prove that they they need to lose this reputation of playing down to their opponents like that is something last night it wasn't an issue I thought last night was really good again Mm -hmm. six goal posts and one that got called back on Hyman that I didn't love the call on they very easily could have been up six or seven one at any point of that hockey game they didn't start great. Yeah. That's something I want to see them work on tonight. But don't play down to your opponents. This is a Minnesota team that's kind of shitty at five on five. So push them. Play hard. You know?
2: There was actually, I was trying to think of this last night, and maybe you can remember. What was the goal that was called back on Kane for goalie interference? Because wasn't it something very similar where, like, I, it was almost the opposite where, so Hyman, Hyman, Pogba, Poch- against Caleb Chicago Jones last night. It was yeah. in Chicago, wasn't it? Because Jones pushed Kane into the uh, Stalock that night, and then it was kind of the complete opposite to d- the yesterday. I just think such a confusing rule. Because you remember he was like kind of guided into Stalock, and he couldn't do anything about it.
0: Yeah, I'm remembering that goal now. And that's a good point. It was Jones and Kane was outside of the blue paint, and Jones yeah. pushed him in. He made contact with Stalock. Oilers score. They wave it off. Okay, so that is. That results in a no goal when your own team pushes you in. And then on the other end of the ice, if the opposition pushes you in as well from outside the blue paint, I don't know. You're right. It is very confusing to try and make sense
2: of all that.
0: Video review judges in Chicago Chicago. hate the Oilers.
2: (laughs) Yeah, uh, clearly, clearly.
0: uh, There's a bunch of you watching right now. Uh, Surveyor Brett is itching for our NFL betting picks, so let's give it to him. Well, let's just talk betting in general, courtesy of our friends at Betway. Second straight game day for the Oilers, and Liam. I think our friends at Betway have them as dogs.
2: They are road dogs at plus one thirty. So if you want to chase some hmm. juice, they're a hot team right now. So I'm not going to chase it, mostly because I found two other picks that I like a little bit more. Um, I mean, one of them has to be Zach Hyman, right? I mean, what is this guy? <laughs> what is this guy finally going to get a goal that isn't disallowed? Like before that, before when he scored last night and he was disallowed, I jokingly said to myself, I was like, I'm not going to celebrate this one until the puck drop again. And the next thing you know, there's a challenge. So that's a funny one. But I think Hyman, like if you're on the top line with McDavid and Dreisaitl, like you kind of got pretty good odds there. I was looking at Dreisaitl and McDavid too, but Hyman's a little bit juicier. So I'll go with that. And also, While the Oilers have been able to score a lot of goals, they're still allowing a lot of goals too. So I'm going to go with the over tonight too. And just uh, looking forward to a typical Oilers game where they keep me on the edge of my seat literally until the last second of the game.
0: One of the bets Betway has is you can bet on how many minor penalties a team will take. Oilers to take over three and a half minor penalties. Yeah. Um, I don't that's mind not taking these. Yeah, it's, it's not terrible. Uh, the over with McDavid to score two plus points is even money. Uh, actually, no, it's not juicy enough. I'm I'm staying away from that. I think I'm going back on the Bouchard shot prop tonight. I think that's a good mm-hmm. one. And the Oilers have been ripping the puck a lot recently. Flurry over 26 and a half saves. I think that'd be an intriguing one. You know, the Oilers finished the game with 32, 33 shots flurry gives up four they still win he's got 29 saves hits that mark rather easily so i'm gonna go bouchard Mm -hmm. over two and a half shots at plus 115 flurry over 26 and a half couple of player assist lines i really like in the nhl tonight dawson mercer and maddie benears both basically running at an assist per game over their last five and they're both paying out plus 155 or better so those two on as apples and marshall Shot prop was one of my plays tonight love that spot what was uh there was a puck line I liked tonight. Colorado against Buffalo. That was the puck line tonight. Mm. Buffalo's been getting smoked recently. They played last night. They finally won last night, but they're a team that was playing bad then got a big win. Colorado was a team that is, went on a nice little run then got smoked their last time out. They're going to be motivated tonight. Take the abs at plus 135 on the puck line. Um, we hit 200 viewers today, Liam. Good work on YouTube. Yeah,
2: thanks everyone for, for watching. It's always appreciated. Yeah, if you're still Make watching Make sure you hit right a now, like too.
0: Yes. Hit the like button for us. Do us a, uh, that solid shout out to our friends at betway 19 plus, please play responsibly betway.com. Get in on the fun tonight with the Oilers versus Minnesota wild game is at six o'clock. My Buffalo bills, Liam play at six 25. So I got a nice Buffalo bills spread bet loaded up. I got two TVs ready to go. It's going to, it's a good night to be Tyler. I'm I'm clean shaven. So my girlfriend will finally look at me again. <laughs>
2: Could we possibly see a Buffalo Bills and Edmonton Oilers parlay? A Tyler Urenchuk special?
0: You see how quickly I just jumped up there? Let me fire that up. Let's see what we're cooking up here. The Tyler Uremchuk special. Maybe Betway could like boost it for us. Actually, I don't think they do that. Oilers money line bills. Give me bills on the spread. Ooh, plus 355 for Oilers money line bills on the spread. You better Ugh, believe juice. that is getting bet tonight. <laughs> Hammer it, hammer it! All right, thank you for that motivation, Liam. Um, hopefully, my no bank problem. account is uh, growing because of that. Sir, <laughs> here, Brett, I can't read that. You know, I can't read that. Uh, okay, shout out to Soho if you uh, want somewhere to watch the game tonight, and you're in downtown Edmonton. SohoYeg.com. More info there. It is a tremendous spot, and their deals on game day are unreal. They got the game on a hundred-inch TV, big projector screen in front of their stage. Beautiful. Four seventy-five Molson half-price wings, eight dollars for a slice and a pint. That is unbelievable. Great stuff. Shout out to Soho Cornerstone Insurance. This was a Sherwood Ford Giant Game Day edition of the show from the Sports Closet Studio. Shout out to Canada. That was fun. We're gonna get some new gear in here as well. SportsCloset.ca for all your Christmas shopping needs. Liam, I will see you at the office in a little bit. We got a new episode, of Real Life, dropping later sure. today on the Nation Network as well. Enjoy the game tonight, everybody, and tomorrow. Your Remchuk versus bagged milk on Oilers Nation every day. It's going to get spicy. Make sure you tune in.
1: <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less in similar brands.